Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Wednesday, March the 29th, 2023. We're about a week and a half, not quite two weeks from Kentucky's basketball season coming to an end with that 75-69 loss to Kansas State in the second round of the NCAA tournament. So we're going to touch a little bit on the season, but we're going to touch a lot on looking ahead to the future of Kentucky basketball, what's going to happen with as far as the holdovers from the current roster, plus the number one recruiting class that John Calipari has brought in for the 2023-24 season. We're going to do that with Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader, my friend and colleague who covers UK basketball, did a great job covering UK basketball this year. So we're not going to waste any time. We're just going to get right into it with Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader. Okay, I want to bring Ben Roberts into the podcast, my friend and colleague, covers UK basketball for the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. How's it going, Ben? Good, John. How are you? At, I'm doing good. Uh, we're about two weeks away, or two weeks from Kentucky's loss to Kansas State uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, any any lingering thoughts? We're going to talk about the season, but any lingering thoughts from that game in particular? Um. From that game in particular, I, I I don't know. I you know I mean obviously <laughs> we've already <laughs> I mean, put it out of, of our minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of a lot of overall thoughts. Uh, um, you know, a lot. It, I mean, it kind of went along with the way Kentucky season went. You know, they had a couple guys play really well. A couple guys that they had depended on, uh, especially uh, you know when they started playing better at the end of the season. Didn't you know? Clearly, didn't have their best games. Um, just not, you know, another one of those games where everybody didn't click, uh, not necessarily they weren't on the same page, but that right. it just, it just didn't happen for them. And that seemed to be the case all season. And they really, it became clear they needed to be a team where to beat good teams where basically everybody needed to, to click and play well. Um, and especially defensively, uh, obviously Kansas state did not score many points in the first half, but. They missed all those threes, and a lot of those were wide-open shots that you would normally expect them to make, um, and then obviously corrected some of that in the, in the second half. So, uh, yeah, just kind of another one of those games that I felt like summed up the whole season. Okay, we're talking about the whole season. Kentucky was ranked number four in the preseason AP poll, picked to win the SEC. They end up uh, 22 and 12, uh, third in the SEC, knocked out of the tournament in the second round. Uh, I think overall, you'd have to look at the season as a disappointment. Would you agree with that? And what, what do you think were the main reasons behind that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any other way to look at it, but but as a disappointment. Um, and as far as the reasons behind it, that could be a whole series of podcasts right. probably. Uh, you know, number one, I, I think, is the defense. Uh, you know, John Calipari going back to, you know, you look throughout his tenure at Kentucky, um, for the most part, his best teams have been really, really good defensive teams. Uh, and his best teams have had, one, all of them had, have had, uh, you know, really good rim protection, um, especially those early teams. I mean, they were so highly rated uh, in block shots specifically for his first six or seven years at Kentucky. Uh, this team obviously did not have that. They they had Oscar at the five, who, who was a very, very limited player defensively, especially when it comes to rim protection. And then they had, you know, Cal said in the preseason, he, he thought this could be one of his best shot blocking teams. And I, I think he was pinning a lot of that on Jacob and, and Damian. And 
and Jacob obviously had to find his way through the season um, and the shot blocking never really came. And then, then with Damien's, um, you know, situation and, and uh, with his, uh, w- with the death of his father earlier in the season and, and uh, you know, obviously uh, basketball kind of became a, became secondary there. Uh, so that, that, um, you know, that, part of the defense never really happened. And then they, on the perimeter, uh, you know, a lot of his best teams have had, uh, you know, guys like a DeAndre Liggins or, uh, you know, I mean, John Wall was very disruptive out there. Um, a lot of those teams have had kind of those athletic, physical, uh, long guys and Casey Wallace could do that to a certain extent, but, but nobody else really could. And so once they got past that and, you know, those earlier teams, could take those chances on the perimeter, knowing that there's a Willie Colley Stein or an Anthony Davis or, a, uh, you know, somebody like that behind them. Uh, this team, once they got past that first layer of defense, there wasn't a whole lot to stop them at the rim. Um, so yeah, defense would be the biggest takeaway. I, we, we saw how limited the shooting was. They had Antonio Reeves and CJ Frederick, obviously case Wallace, I think outplayed most people's expectations as a three point shooter earlier in the season. CJ's hurt. Kaysen's playing hurt and on the ball. Antonio misses everything he takes in that last game. Uh, I think that showed a limitation. Um, you know, the injuries uh, are, are right there, 1-1-A one, one with defense. Um, you know, you're counting on Xavier Wheeler to to be a major part of the team, even if he's not the starting point guard at the end. He's not there. CJ's hurt. Kaysen has a series of injuries. Oscar's preseason knee surgery. Uh, you know, it just, <laughs> again, we could, we could talk all day. A lot right. went wrong. Um, and it seemed like not a whole lot went right. Right, right. Okay, so John Calipari, 9-16 and 16 in the COVID year, bounced in the first round. A, a good regular season last year, then loses in the semifinals of the SEC tournament, knocked out, upset by St. Peter's, the number 15 seed in the first round of the NCAA tournament. This year, knocked out in the second round of the tournament. Where, where do you think that John Calipari uh, – I mean, where do you think he is right now as far as the program? I know he is. He, I, I'm not necessarily. I'm not talking about necessarily fan expectations. What the fans think about him, but I mean, he shook up the staff a couple of years ago because I think he wanted to do. He wanted to uh, get back to where they were recruiting in the past. Is this just? Was this past year kind of a? I don't know, a bridge year to that because he hasn't had, you know, Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman, his top two recruiters back, you know, uh, this was only what last year, I guess, was their first full cycle of recruiting. Uh, was last year kind of a bridge year in that regard? Where do you think he stands right now as far as what he wants to do with the program? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think if if his goal there and bringing Orlando back and bringing Chin in was to get it back to those earlier years where they're getting a ton of top 10 recruits, um, including multiple in every class, then then you could call it a bridge year and we'll see what happens next season because that's what they got. I mean, they got four top 10 guys plus Reed Shepard. Uh, we've seen the way that the game, I don't know if evolved is the right word, but it certainly changed. Um, I know you wrote about it this week. Uh, we, we've talked about it in the past that, um, you know, those, those freshman dominant, uh, you know, five-star recruit dominant teams have not had the kind of success um, in the postseason the last several years that that maybe they were earlier in Cal's tenure. And people forget, or I don't know if they forget, but they overlook a lot that, you know, you had Darius Miller, you had Patrick Patterson, um, 
you had a lot of guys on those final four teams, Willie Cauley-Stein, um, DeAndre Liggins, Josh Harrelson, uh, that were upperclassmen uh, and played huge, huge roles on those teams. Even the, the national championship team, which people like to look at Anthony Davis and Kid Gilchrist and Teague is like, it's this freshman-led team. Uh, they had two elite sophomores um, who could have easily jumped to the pros and, and they had Darius Miller on that team. So half the team is, is returning guys, you know, among the guys who were really playing and the, and the top contributors. Um, and, and a lot of those, the, the 38 and one team, obviously were, were guys coming back uh, and, and some veterans, uh, you know, leading that group and taking some of the pressure off the freshmen. So, yeah, I think a, uh, uh, I think a big part is going to be who he adds to, to guys like like Wagner and Edwards and, and Aaron Bradshaw um, next season. He's got to have either some guys. Well, he's got to have some guys come back. It can't be a, a whole new crew, I don't think. But he's he's got to also get, I think, you know, really hit on a couple of guys in the transfer portal. And that's hard to do. And it's hard to, to figure out, you know, exactly what you need, not knowing what you're going to need. And then, and then to go out and get the best piece to fit into that puzzle, um, you know, whether that's a defensive stopper or, a, you know, um, you know, maybe another guy who can run the point or, or another big or what have you. Uh, but yeah, I, as, as far as the state of the program right now, um, it's funny, you know, last summer, uh, Obviously, there was a lot of angst after 9 and 16 and then St. Peter's, a lot of angst. And then you would talk to people kind of outside of Kentucky who really knew basketball and uh, either either people along the recruiting trail or other high school or college coaches. And, and they would be shocked when, when you would tell them that, that oh, UK, a, lot of, a large segment of Kentucky fans are upset at Cal. Uh, and some even would like to see them, you know, go elsewhere. Uh, I mean, that that was shocking to a lot of people just based on the results that he'd had. Um, and I think that the feeling would be similar with basketball people this summer when you talk to him about that kind of thing. So, you know, he's he's banked so much early in his tenure. And, you know, he's been to two Elite Eights um, since 17. He had a two seed last year. You know, it's not like... Uh, you, you know, the end, of, I felt like the end of Tubby Smith's tenure, you know, where, where there are eight seeds back to back and you don't really have any sense that there's any sort of hope that they're going to do anything once they get to the tournament. Obviously, Billy Gillespie's two years were, were a train wreck. I don't, I don't think it's to that. I mean, he's getting a number one recruiting class. He, he, uh, he was a two seed last year. Um, but if they get this number one recruiting class and he gets some good pieces around it and he has the kind of roster he wants, going into next season and they're still a five or six seed and they're still losing in the second round of the tournament. Um, I, I think then a lot of you, you have a lot of hard questions over, over the future trajectory of, of this team, because by that point he's done it a few different ways and, and it, it, it hasn't worked. Um, and, you know, you can talk about being a two seed uh, and talk about going to elite eights, but he knows better than anybody and he sells, as much as anybody that that banners are really the only thing that matters matter here uh so you can't you, you can't talk about these these butts and these what ifs after a season is over when you've spent the entire season uh from november to january uh talking about how march is the only thing that matters i mean at some point you gotta perform there 
Right. Okay. Well, let's talk about. And you touched on it about uh, the and you and you've written about it. I know you've got a, a post about the comings and goings of the current cats. What do we know at this point about the who who might stay and who who is going from this team? Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the toughest year, maybe the toughest year of the Cal era. Certainly, the last several years to try to figure out who's going to do what. Um, you know, NIL uh, plays a big part in that. The extra COVID year that these seniors have play a big part of that. I mean, obviously, in the past, you got six seniors; they're all gone, uh, which they which they still might be, but but all those guys have eligibility now. So, you know, you go down the list, you you can't. I feel like the last few years, I could say with with pretty pretty good certainty who was going to do what. Um, now it's a little tougher. Obviously, we we know Xavier Wheeler is gone. We we knew that. Uh, weeks ago um oscar i would assume uh based on what i've been told is is uh it's, it's certainly more likely to go than to stay although that's not 100 percent. jacob uh Toppin will be gone uh it would be so very very surprising if he came back uh case wallace is obviously going to be gone projected lottery picks do not come back uh, so the two seniors with with CJ and Antonio, you know, talking to CJ down there in Greensboro, I, I think it was very clear that he was going to sit down with his family um, and, and take some time to really think about it, take some time to heal and see how his body feels. I think he still has that or I know he still has that competitive desire to go out and play basketball. But, uh, you know, is it worth it to as many injuries as he's been through? Um, does he want to? do that and possibly go through that again that's going to be a decision he'll make antonio I, th- I think is the most likely senior to come back just because he does not have a route to i mean he's a great shooter and that's obviously the way the, the nba game has been going but um he, he really still needs to work a lot defensively uh he, he made some strides there but but still has a, a lot a lot of room to grow there um, so he, he certainly can make more in NIL money, I would think, than wherever he lands as a, a pro next season. But, you know, you're 22 years old. Do you want to go through a fifth year of college? Uh, that'll be his decision. Chris Livingston is, is, uh, it's always tricky to try to handicap what, what Chris right. is going to do. Cause we've heard so much, you know, going back throughout his high school career. Um, you know, there was the move to Oak Hill. Uh, that was kind of touch and go for a while. And then he committed to Kentucky and there were still rumors out there that he was being pushed and pulled in different directions and that the G league might still be an option or a, a decommitment of going to another school might still be an option. He, uh, he stuck with his Kentucky commitment. Um, and now you're hearing a lot of the same stuff that, that, uh, he could be being pushed this direction or that direction. It, it sounds like the NBA draft is certainly a priority for him. Uh, I think the safest bet is he goes through that process and then we'll see what kind of feedback he gets and then what he thinks about that. The thing with Chris is he's as many uh, voices uh, are, that, that he's had around him um, throughout, you know, the last few years of his career. He, it always seems to come down to his decision and what he thinks is going to be the best for his long-term basketball future. So uh, he, he's made that decision twice now with going to Oak Hill and then uh, coming to Kentucky where he knew he was going to be more of a role player. 
So I'll be interested to see, um, you know, what he decides there. Because, I mean, right now he's not on these draft boards. I, I think he would be drafted uh, if he went, but I don't, I certainly don't think he's a first round pick right now. So you're really rolling the dice um, there. Um, Lance Ware, uh, his decision comes down to, you know, I, I don't know that his role here is going to be that much bigger next season if he comes back, but he does really like it here. Calipari obviously really respects him and likes him. Um, he's got his Camden guys coming in next season uh, in the freshman class. Uh, I think that might play a little into it. Uh, Damian Collins, obviously we, we just touched on, uh, you know, the situation with his family. Uh, I think I would, I would lean toward him, um, transferring elsewhere closer, closer back to his home in Texas. It seems like the most likely thing, although he's developed a, a super close bond with, with John Calipari, um, since his father's passing in, in, in November. Uh, so, you know, I, I know it's going to be hard for him to leave. It, it would be hard for UK to see him go, but I know on Kentucky's end, they're, they're going to be supportive of whatever he decides. Um, let's see. And then we got Ugana and, and Adu. Ugana told me, uh, in Greensboro, I uh, came out and said it, that, that he's coming back. That's another one of those situations. And we know Cal wants him back, thinks he could be one of the best big men in college basketball next season if he continues to improve in the offseason the, the way they felt like he improved over the course of the season. Um, that's another one where, uh, you know, I think he could get pushed by other entities uh, elsewhere or, or encouraged to look elsewhere. Uh, so that's a tricky situation. Um, but I mean, he was emphatic that, that he wants to return and wants to be a part of Kentucky basketball. And this is where he's always wanted to be. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then a do, I would expect him to come back unless they just, you know, load up in the transfer portal. And it looks like he's going to be the ninth or 10th uh, guy again next season. I, I think as long as he has a route to, to, you know, you know, like a realistic route to, to considerable playing time or to at least have that opportunity that, that he would be back. Okay, let's say, let's just for, for conversational purposes, uh, the hypothetical purposes, let's say Agnenso comes back, let's say Thero comes, uh, comes back, let's say, uh, let's say CJ Frederick comes back and Antonio Reeves comes back. Uh, uh, I, we'll see with Lance Ware. But let's say Living, uh, Wallace is obviously gone. Uh, you know, Shibway, Toppin, Wheeler, they all leave. Uh, uh, and Reeves comes back. Okay, he's still got – let's say that would be uh, the way I counted when I was working on my column. He'd have 10 guys on scholarship. That, that would leave him with three open. Cal doesn't like to fill all his scholarships. I don't know if this year with all the injuries and where he got caught short in some games might change his thinking on that. We'll see. Uh, let's say if you're John Calipari and you've got those 10 guys and you decide, uh, I do want to go into the transfer portal, what are you looking for? In the transfer portal, are you looking? As you mentioned earlier, maybe another point guard. Are you looking for another point guard? Are you looking for a power forward? Are you looking for another shooter? Because CJ has had he's a good was a good shooter at Iowa. He's not shot as well here, but I think injuries have had a had a lot to do with that. What are you looking for in the transfer portal? I'm looking for defense. Um, That's a <laughs> you know, especially after what's <laughs> happened the last three or four years, you got to have defense. And I think that's you know, it's hard to find these. Di- the way Cal is coached here, obviously, it works best with NBA caliber guys. Um, 
uh, as we, you know, that's clear to anybody. It's hard to find NBA caliber guys in the transfer portal because of their NBA caliber guys are going to the NBA drafts right, and they're staying true. there. I mean, that, that's pretty simple. So whoever you get out of the transfer portal is going to be a flawed to considerably flawed player in some regard. Antonio Reeves is a great scorer. He's a great shooter, um, but it even took him a little while to, to find his footing as a scorer at this level. And his defense, you know, was was not there over the course of the season. Certainly not to the standard that that Cal usually wants in in his uh, backcourt guys who are playing thirty plus minutes. Um, and that's going to be. And he was a great addition. I mean, that that's right. kind of what you hope for as as a complimentary player out of the portal with what they already had. So that that's kind of an example of. You know, whatever you get, there's going to be a shortcoming there or that player is, is right. going to have uh, better options. Um, so but that said, I think there is room to find, you know, a defensive minded, um, especially at that wing position. They've got Justin Edwards coming in. He's very sound. He's one of the highest floor recruits that they've at that level that they've had in several years. Um, but we've seen, you know, sometimes we think guys are going to be these, these great college defenders as freshmen. And that's really hard to do, um, you know, when you're 18, 19 years old, especially now when you've got a lot more fifth year seniors and just, you know, just more veteran crafty guys that you're playing against. So yeah, where I would look first would be kind of that, that wing position, um, a, a really a, a defensive stopper, especially a guy who can guard the perimeter with some length. Uh, ideally, I think they would want another point guard. The problem there is any point guard that is going to be able or that you would want to play major minutes at a place like Kentucky is going to be looking at DJ Wagner and thinking, well, yeah. where do I, I you know, how, yeah, where do I fit here? So, and I mean, to a certain extent, the way I, I really think the way Kentucky season, no matter who they add or who comes back, the way their season goes next season is going to be predicated largely on DJ Wagner and how much he progresses and how much he buys into what Cal's teaching them and, and you know, how he is as a, as a college basketball point guard by February, March. Um, and I think there's going to be some real hiccups early on. I think it's going to take him a while to adjust to a different speed, to bigger, faster, smarter, uh, older players um, it's not, it's not going to come nearly as easy to him, uh, here as it has throughout really his whole career. Uh, so, but it's also going to be hard to, to find somebody, um, you know, with the kind of talent they would want, um, to, to be his compliment. So I, I think the most likely scenario there is probably that you're, you're playing, um, you know, a guy like Reed Shepard, a few minutes on the ball. I think he's capable of doing that. Uh, you're, you're playing maybe a Dillingham or, or um, you know, if Antonio comes back, maybe he gets the ball a little when, when DJ's not in there. But, you know, as, as we saw this past season and some previous seasons, that's that's a big risk to kind of put it all on one guy, especially uh, a freshman as good as, as, as good as DJ is. And then, you know, the other thing with – uh, the, the same thing can be kind of said about the other end of the positional spectrum is you'd want to have somebody proven uh, at the five spot. But if you have Ugana back and you have uh, Aaron Bradshaw coming in, 
then any, you know, really good five is going to be looking at that and saying, well, you know, Cal is going to give minutes to these guys. Aaron Bradshaw is projected as a, as a, as a first round NBA draft pick. He said all this stuff about Ugana. Uh, at least one of them is going to play major minutes. I, I think he would hope both. So again, you know, where do I fit in if I'm, if I'm a five? So it's going to be tough. It's going to be really difficult. I think to, to maneuver that when you have, um, so many highly touted guys in each position, but yeah, where I would start is a, is a, a bigger wing who can guard the perimeter and is just really defensively sound. Um, and then I also think they need a four, a four guy, uh, especially if, if Damian doesn't come back and, and also he's, he's clearly unproven proven too, if he does, but, um, you know, that's another situation where you're looking at the numbers and, um, if you're a four, do you think you, you have, you really have an opportunity to, to come in and play 25, 30 minutes, because if you're getting one of these guys, these guys want to go to the NBA too. If, if you're coming to a place like Kentucky, they want to showcase their skills. They want to showcase maybe more than they have in the past. And if you don't think the minutes are there at Kentucky, well, you can probably look at 20 other high majors and look at their rosters and find a place where you can play 30 minutes a game in a, in a much bigger role. So it's it's tough. It's going to be tough to to find those fits. Okay, let's let, let's wrap this up with the uh, last. We're taping this on Wednesday morning. Uh, the uh, McDonald's All American Game games was la- la- uh, took place last night. Uh, you unlike myself, you said you watched uh, the watched a good bit of it last night. What what were your takeaways as far as the Kentucky guys are concerned? Yeah, I mean, the, the first takeaway, I've I've had to sit through a lot of these things over the last 10 years. <laughs> I like the way you phrase that. I've yeah. had to sit um, through a lot of these things. <laughs> and it's usually really poorly played basketball. I mean, it, it um, you know, it devolves rather quickly into just dunks and breakouts and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, no defense. Last night was the, the most entertaining from a basketball perspective uh game mcdonald's game that that i've ever seen i i think i think all those guys you know the narrative on this class and it's correct at least from what we've seen so far is that this is a down year uh for recruiting that the guys at the top of the class you know aren't quite up to par as as some previous years classes um that message clearly got around to a lot of these guys i know it's been a talking point especially this past week um down there at Houston at the game. And I think that might have a little something to do with how the game was played last night. I mean, these guys really went out, they played basketball, they played defense, they tried, they competed. Um, they were unselfish for the most part. Um, so yeah, it was uh, anybody who, who was interested and thought, Oh, I'm not going to watch that because I know what these games are like. Uh, if you can go back on demand or pull up your ESPN app and, or, or watch a replay and, and see it, I, I think you'd probably enjoy it. Um, but from a Kentucky perspective, all four of the guys I thought looked looked really good. Um, DJ did not score in the first half and then just absolutely took the game over in the second half. Actually ended up winning uh, game MVP honors despite going scoreless in the first half. Uh, Reed had some really great moments, um, both offensively and defensively. I, you know, those of us who have watched him over the last few years and know that he's a really sound defender, especially a, as a team defender. Uh, so I think he, I don't think nationally that was as well known. So I, I think he uh, turned some heads down there with, with his play on the defensive end. Justin Edwards, I've said, is just a, just a super high floor. He doesn't have the highest ceiling, certainly not as, 
as high as a guy like Wagner, or Aaron Bradshaw, but but he's a guy that I think you can count on plugging in and, and starting next season as a freshman and then seeing what he can give you and how he, he evolves because uh, he's just really sound on both ends. Uh, and then then Bradshaw, um, uh, it's it sounded like I uh, wasn't obviously down there this year. I wasn't at the practices, but it sounded like he was, uh, you know, one of the stars of, of those scrimmages and, and early practices, which are usually the most competitive and the most telling parts of that game weekend. And then he was good last night, too. What? But that, there's a danger in that, too, because I think Kentucky fans and, and Cal's already touted him as, you know, this class is like one of those classes we used to have. And I'm not sure that's the case, um, especially with it being a down year. Um, so oh, the performances that those guys put up last night, I think only heightened expectations that were already sky high. And those expectations, I think, need to be tempered, especially in the early going for these guys. Because I think DJ, like I said, he, I think he's going to have some struggles. You know, I don't think he's John Wall. I don't think he's... Um, you know, even De'Aaron Fox, uh, he's rated as as they were, but I don't I don't think he's quite to that level. We'll see what happens. He, he's great. Anybody who's watched him play, he's terrific at getting by that first level of defense. Um, when he does do that, uh, his his decision making has been questionable in the past. I think that's going to be a major point of emphasis. Is once you break through, once you penetrate. Now make the right decision with the ball as you're headed to the basket, whether you're going to try to score, whether you're going to try to pass it off, what you're going to try to do there. His three-point shooting has been a knock on him throughout his high school career. Last night in the second half, he was just draining shots, draining long threes, draining threes with guys uh, right there in his face. Um, I wouldn't necessarily expect that, uh, especially at the beginning. Um, you know, I, I think that's, that's going to be kind of a crapshoot, how he is as a three-point shooter. Uh, Justin Edwards, a very high floor kid, but he's going to be a kid. He's going to be a freshman next season. How does he deal with playing against guys who are three or four years older, who are a lot bigger, stronger? I've been in college basketball for a lot longer. Uh, and that's certainly the case with Aaron Bradshaw because, you know, as impressive as he looks, especially shooting the ball for a seven footer, uh, he's still, I mean, he's skinny. I mean, he, he battles and he fights, but he's skinny. So you can fight like that against other 18 year olds at the McDonald's all American game when you're fighting against, uh, you know, 22 year olds who have been in a college weight room for four years, especially in the sec. And especially the way games are sometimes called in the sec, uh, you know, Aaron Bradshaw versus a guy like Eurosh, uh, <laughs> Tennessee, uh, th that's not going to go the same way as, as a lot of his high school battles have gone. So um, that'll be interesting to see. And then, and then with Reed, uh, the same with the rest of them. Once the game gets faster, once the, once the opponents get bigger and stronger, um, you have to change your game and up your game to, to deal with that. So I think there's, as there are with all freshmen, there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some, some hiccups and some early losses and some poor performances, but uh, on the whole, it, you know, it's, it, it is a, it's a good looking class and, and, but it's one that they need to get some veteran guys around and, and especially some, uh, you know, I think some shooting and, and some defense and, and then uh, obviously some, some rim protection. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely going to be the key what they can, whether it's through holdovers or whether it's through 
the transfer portal. They, I mean, these guys are going to need some help. I think I don't think in this day and age it matters, you know, how good a freshman class you have. It's it's going to take some older, experienced guys to complement those guys. Uh, the way the game, the way the game is played, you know, right now, and obviously with the transfer portal, and then with the extra year for COVID, has made teams older. But uh, you know, we saw that trend before COVID with the more veteran yeah. teams winning, really since uh, 2015. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, ben, I would tell you to rest up from the season, uh, but there, with Kentucky basketball, it doesn't seem like there's yeah. any rest, at least not right now, with all the comings and goings and what's going to happen. Especially especially with the portal. Uh, so uh, we will definitely be talking to you more over the summer uh, before next season starts. And be sure to follow Ben on Twitter at BenRobertsHL. Ben, anything that you want to plug before I let you go? Anything you've got coming up or anything that's online right now that you want to make sure that people pay attention to? Um, yeah, I mean, we'll have some stuff coming up over the next few days. Uh, so just uh, just stay tuned to Kentucky.com and, you know, Ben Roberts HL on Twitter. We'll, we'll tweet it out when we have it. And, um, you know, we, I, I, as Kentucky season ended, uh, you know, Shaden Sharp started going off in the NBA <laughs> and he's had his highlights throughout the season. And that's something that, uh, didn't, obviously we talked about it a ton at this point last year. Right. We talked about it ad nauseum. It seemed like that's all we were talking about for, for three months. But I felt like once the season started, um, you know, you saw the highlights on, you know, Twitter every night, sometimes on SportsCenter. I know some fans maybe followed uh, begrudgingly to see how he was doing. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I felt like a lot of that talk kind of died down. And that's the type of player that they needed on that team. I mean, right. Cal, uh, he didn't I don't know that he had Shaden Sharp in his mind. But that quote, um, you know, that that he threw out there after the Kansas State loss about needing one more guy to make shots. Well, I mean. The guy was on the roster, and then Cal thought that guy was going to be on this past season's roster uh, for a game like that. Um, so, you know, that's exactly the type of player that, that they could have used. Uh, we, we have a story up uh, on Kentucky.com right now just about kind of how his season has gone and how he might have fit into this past season's plans. And I think, you know, once – the Calipari era is, is finished, uh, you know, whenever that is, it could be several years down the line. I think when you look back on, on this era and, and the what ifs of, of Kentucky basketball during what I assume will be a, about a 20 year span, um, Shaden Sharp is going to be one right. of the guys at the very top of that list is, you know, what, what would have happened if, if this kid would have stuck around and actually played. Yeah, so look for that story on Kentucky.com as well. Ben, congratulations on a great job covering Kentucky basketball this year in your first year on the beat. And I know you'll have continued great coverage during the spring and summer. And thanks, as always, for being on the podcast. All right. Well, thanks, John. I really appreciate it. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. Thanks to Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader. Be sure and follow Ben at, on Twitter at BenRobertsHL. Check out all of his work on Kentucky.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV as well. Uh, we'll have more podcasts during the summer. We'll have a podcast with John Hale wrapping up spring practice at the end of spring practice for look, spring football practice. So look for that as well. Again, thanks to Ben. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast. Podcast.